So we know why you guys listen to this podcast, and it's not because you love the sound of my voice. You listen to win. And one of the ways you can win is with profootballfocus.com. You see him on NBC. Chris Collinsworth owns the company. You know that they evaluate every player on every play, which is why they've got oodles and oodles of fantasy football information to help you optimize your draft picks. And now at this point, your waiver wire targets, your daily fantasy lineups. If you're a high stakes dude, you can join PFF Elite for full access to the new premium stats database and green line game picks. PFF Elite gives you all the performance data you need to make winning picks all season long. Join PFF Fantasy today. Prepare to win. Sign up at profootballfocus.com. Use promo code POD20 to save 20% on all subscription plans. It's time to eat. Get in my belly. Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Evan Silva. Me so hungry. On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby. It is the Fantasy Feast Eaten Podcast presented by betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Use the promo code PODCAST1, the number one, to receive a 50% sign-up bonus today. It is the show that's so nice, we do it twice, and we are rolling. From a fantasy football perspective, week two begins now, Evan. Evan, of course, Silva from Roto World. I think he's the best in the business. I think most of the objective websites out there that actually go back and break it down will tell you that as well. At Evan Silva on Twitter. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL, former NFL offensive lineman. Five teams, seven years, your classic journeyman. And I will insert... Just some nuggets every once in a while. I'll give you guys some tips, some O-line, some Trey Burton. I told you about Doug Baldwin. Tried to tell you guys about Doug Baldwin and the knee a while ago. At any rate, Evan, there's a lot to get into. I should mention this, by the way. I got some free Maddens. I'm giving away some Maddens. So I got six hard copies. I think I got like four codes. So I got 10 free Maddens that I'm going to be giving away. So make sure you're following our social media. Me, I'm at Ross Tucker NFL, Twitter and Instagram. My Facebook is facebook.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. The podcast handle, Brian, our trusty producer, is at RTF Podcast. So I'll be giving out some hints on how to get the free Madden there. But also, you definitely want to make sure you're signed up to get my email newsletter that I send like literally once every two months. It's not even 10 a year, and it's just stories from my time in the NFL when the spirit moves me. But I got one coming out Thursday, and make sure you go to rawstucker.com on the homepage. Throw your email address in there where it says to get Ross's stories from my time as a player, and you'll find out how to get the free Madden. Without further ado, though, Evan, let's dive in. All right, let's start, Evan, with the Thursday night game. As always, it's the Ravens. It's the Bengals. 
I've been telling everybody I think both these teams are better than people realize, and they both had pretty solid outings offensively in week one. What do you think for this matchup? Yeah, I agree with all of those points. Um, we could start on the Bengal side. Joe Mixon was an absolute stud in week one, and, of course, he was playing the Colts. But, I mean, you could just tell from his usage and his skill set, um, he's a different player this year. I mean, he looks a lot quicker. He looks a lot leaner. I mean, we talked about he lost 20 pounds since his rookie minicamp, and he reminds me a lot. The And I'm not saying that he's going to become Le'Veon Bell because just very few backs are ever even get close to being as good as Le'Veon Bell. But he, he reminds me in a lot of ways of the career arc of Le'Veon Bell. Second round pick. Didn't have a particularly explosive rookie year, Le'Veon Bell. Um, dealt with some injuries. Mixon did too. He had a concussion toward the end of his uh, rookie season. Uh, averaged like, you know, around three and a half yards per carry. Both of them did. And then they both lost a ton of weight entering their second seasons. And it looks like Joe Mixon is going to ha- going to be a blow-up player this year in an RB1. Uh, 22 touches compared to Giovanni Bernard's two. And uh Joe Mixon is an every down back and Giovanni Bernard is only a handcuff. If he's going to continue to see that light of usage, um, this is not, you know, a particularly great matchup for, for Joe Mixon, but he is at home. Uh, it should be a close game where, you know, the game doesn't get out of hand either way. It's a pick them, uh, at the sports books. So I think that even despite the difficult matchup, the usage makes Joe Mixon, a lock start in uh, season-long leagues. Andy Dalton was very, very decisive in week one. His protection was good. Again, facing the Colts certainly helped, uh, but you you like to just see competency from the Bengals' offensive line, which last year made even bad pass rushes look like decent pass rushes. Um, So, And they made a lot of changes on that offensive line. That's all good. It's going to be a much stiffer test this week and Andy Dalton is a two quarterback league option only. I do think that he will um, be streamer worthy uh, in a decent number of weeks this year with uh, improved weapons. Last week, he certainly paid off as a streamer and he'll get some, some more cupcake matchups as we move forward. Uh, No Jimmy Smith again for the Ravens. He's out the first four games that helps AJ green to some extent uh, although Brandon Carr and Marlon Humphrey and Tavon Young, the Ravens' uh, nickel cornerback trio, all played really, really well in week one. Now, again, facing the Bills helps, uh, but Marlon Humphrey was really good as a rookie. Uh, I think that A.J. Green could uh, have some advantages, certainly against Brandon Carr. Uh, and then, ta- and then uh, last week, uh, A.J. Green's 38-yard touchdown bomb came on a route out of the slot. It was a vertical route out of the slot where he just outran uh, multiple Colts defensive backs, and Dalton made a great throw over the top, and it was a, it was an awesome play. One of my one of my favorite plays of the opening week. <clears throat> um, AJ Green kind of struggled in last year's two meetings against the Ravens, but he had ten targets in each. We want to bank on the targets and the elite talent. Uh, Tyler Eifert only ran eighteen routes. In week one, uh, played 41% of the snaps. So they are definitely easing him in. And now he's on a short week against the Ravens. So you have to think that his playing time probably is not going to improve. I think he's just 
until until he you know he's not going to catch a ton of balls and get a ton of yards when he's not even getting the opportunity to do so. So he's going to be a touchdown or bust guy um, until we see his usage pick up. John Ross scored a touchdown uh, on a three yard end zone fade last week against the Bill or I'm sorry against the Colts, but he um, he only saw two targets. Uh, played behind Tyler Boyd. I think that A.J. Green is still the only trustworthy member of the Bengals passing game. Uh, Joe Flacco was, you know, we talked about this, how he had a really good preseason. Uh, He looks a lot healthier after dealing with a back injury uh, all last year. Super high efficiency opener, uh, completed 74% of his passes against the Bills zone. Uh, three touchdown passes. This was his first three touchdown pass game since December of 2016. Protection was great. Um, only took three quarterback hits and one sack. Lamar Jackson came in. Uh, you know, this is going to be a tougher test against Cincinnati. And Joe Flacco is not really, um, you know, he's, he's a two quarterback league option. Uh, but he's, again, a guy that we're going to be able to stream at certain points over the course of the year. Um, Alex Collins had a rough opener as a guy who I really liked in fantasy and played in DFS and played in, you know, a bunch of different spots. Uh, he, first of all, the Ravens just crushed the bills, which worked against him because I mean, they pulled out starters at the end of the game. Kenneth Dixon wound up leading the Ravens backfield in touches. And then Kenneth Dixon suffered a knee injury and he's like out indefinitely now. And he's had all kinds of injuries, so I don't expect him back anytime soon. He may even land on IR. We'll see. Um, but also, Alex Collins uh, hurt his own playing time by losing a fumble, uh, and then he lost playing time in the second quarter. So when you combine that with getting pulled out of the game late, like he only played, you know, half the game, not even. And so that put him in bad position. He did score a touchdown early, but, you know, he's never going to have a, a real big fantasy game like that, um, you know, in that kind of a situation. He's facing the Bengals, uh, who are without Vontez Perfect. They did defend the run well effectively in week one against the Colts, but again, that's the Colts. Uh, and I think that Alex Collins is bounces back as a solid RB2 play this week. Uh, with no Kenneth Dixon, Buck Allen in deeper leagues offers some uh, PPR potential. They also give him goal line carries. At times, he did score on a goal line carry last week, and they did that a little bit last year. They would even give him, like, fullback dives. They'd line him up ahead of, uh, in front of Alex Collins and give him fullback dives. Um, And he scored a a few times in in that formation last season. Uh, In the receiver core, it's going to be a much tougher matchup than the the, uh, the Ravens receivers faced last week. Uh, You know, that Bill secondary didn't look good at all. Uh, it was really good last year. Tredavious White is really good, but they have major problems at slot corner and especially right cornerback where Philip Gaines um, is a, just an attack target uh, every single week, just like he was in Kansas City. Um, you know, they, they the Ravens really spread the ball around in week one. None, none, none of the Ravens pass catchers had uh, over six targets. Um, no one really stands out to me here, but John Brown, uh, did, ha- uh, he saw two red zone targets last week, which tied for the team lead. Um, 
and Michael Crabtree has been held to 60 yards or fewer in eight straight games uh, dating back to last season. So Crabtree is like a touchdown or bust guy. Willie Sneed got lucky to score his touchdown last week one. Actually, Nick Boyle scored a touchdown on the play before, but then it was nullified by Willie Sneed's penalty uh, for OPI. And then on the very next play, Willie Sneed scores a touchdown. Not really trying to chase that situation. Um, I do think that John Brown is the best play in the receiver core. Nick Boyle is a little sneaky if you're playing like the, the one-game Thursday slate on uh, DK or, or uh, FanDuel. Um, the Bengals gave up a ton of production to the Colts tight ends last week. Jack Doyle got in on it. He had seven for 60. Uh, Eric Ebron had a big game. Eric Swoop caught a 13-yard pass. Uh, Nick Boyle ran more pass routes than Mark Andrews and Max Williams in week one, uh, and he's someone to keep in mind. We can move on to the next one. Let's move on to the Sunday 1 p.m. games. We'll start with Carolina, uh, who their offense was interesting, very McCaffrey-focused. They don't have Greg Olson, and they're going against Atlanta. They don't have Darrell Williams at right tackle either, I might add. They're going against Atlanta, which doesn't have Keanu O'Neal or Deion Jones. So both these teams suffered some legit injuries in week one. Yeah, and that's just going to you know increase the shootout probability of this game. You know, Matt Ryan had a, a kind of a worrisome opener. Uh, he did not put very much zip on the ball. I have not seen him throw the ball like lacking that kind of velocity ever. I mean, that's and I, I think that it might have been due to a very, very humid night in Philly. You know, the ball wasn't exactly zipping out of Nick Foles' hands either on the other side. Um, so I'm not going to put, you know, not, not going to get too worried about that. But Matt Ryan looked bad in that first game. I think he bounces back here. He's going back home. He's in the dome. Panthers really don't have anybody that can hang with Julio. And, you know, Julio led the NFL in targets and air yards in week one. Saw a bunch of red zone targets. Of course, he didn't, you know, convert any of them as Julio is wont to do. Um, but I, I think that Matt Ryan and Julio is going to be an interesting DFS stack this week. I think that they both have a chance at a, at a pretty big game. Um, Matt Ryan has been very successful lately against Ron Rivera's defenses. Uh, over 300 yards in four of their last five meetings uh, and multiple touchdown passes in the one where he did not go over 300 yards. Uh, so I do think that Matt Ryan bounces back. We didn't really like him as a play last week, uh, but we're back on him now. You know, I want to know, I, I need more information on Devontae Freeman. I'm a little worried about him. He suffered a MCL and PCL injury down the stretch last season was highly ineffective for like the Falcons last four games average under 2.7 yards per carry. And then in week one, he suffers an injury to the same knee. Um, so that is, that's scary. And on Tuesday, the Falcons signed Brian Hill from their practice squad, bringing up the running back. So we're going to learn more about that situation Later in the week, if if we get Tevin Coleman, you know, alone essentially, uh, and Edo Smith would be the number two, but Tevin Coleman would be the clear feature back. You know, he's going to be like a borderline RB one even against the Panthers, uh, who shut down 
the Cowboys running game last week. Um, you know, Mohamed Sanu, just a touchdowner, bus guy. Nothing really stands out about him. Calvin Ridley played 64% of the Falcons' week one snaps. He was their number three receiver, but he only drew two, drew two targets, and he caught none. Just need to see him more involved in the offense before we do anything with him. He's waiver wire material right now. Austin Hooper ran 41 routes, more than he did in any game last season, but he failed to top 50 yards for the 18th straight game. They just really don't try to get him the ball. And, you know, that is that means that he's not going to be very good in fantasy. Um, on the other side, yeah, so Cam now draw. He goes to Atlanta. He has really struggled uh, against the Falcons lately as a passer. Uh, he has under 200 yards passing in five straight games against the Falcons with a combined touchdown interception ratio of four to five. Uh, he has been able to compensate with rushing production. Um, these losses of Keanu Neal and Deion Jones cannot be overstated in importance for the Falcons. This is, you know, they just lost two of their best defensive players. And so we're not going to, you know, worry about Cam's historical struggles against Dan Quinn's defenses. We're going to go after this, this game. And Cam is a really good start. Now we did lose Greg Olson. Uh, that is especially notable for Devin Funchess, who had major splits with and without Greg Olson on the field last year, averaged eight targets for 81 yards per game with four touchdowns in Greg Olson's final uh, five missed games. Uh, and then his production was much, much worse with Greg Olson uh, when he was in there, when after he came back. Uh, so this could be really, really big for Devin Funches. It's not a great matchup. Falcons have good cornerbacks, but you know we can bank on the volume, and Devin Funches did have a couple of decent games against the Falcons last year, five for 86 and two for 48 with a touchdown. Um, so I, I'm, I, I think he's a must-start right now. Devin Funches gained a lot of value. Uh, due to Greg Olson's re-break of his foot. Christian McCaffrey facing off for the Falcons defense that schematically is willing to concede running back receptions. They have given up the most running back receptions in the NFL each of the past three years. Now without, you know, one of the reasons that they feel comfortable doing that, uh, their, you know, rangy, speedy, every down middle linebacker, Deion Jones, this is just a, a huge loss uh, Christian McCaffrey had five catches, uh, even with Deion Jones in there last year. He had five catches in both meetings with the Falcons. Um, you know, I think that Christian McCaffrey, he, he played really well in week one. He played 85% of the snaps, led the team in targets, did get vultured twice, once by Cam Newton on like a read option keeper, and once by Alex Arma, the Panthers fullback. So that kind of stunk, but um, McCaffrey did see uh, work down in scoring position, and I don't think that it's, you know, like, like he's not going to score again. Um, I think he's an awesome play. This week, DJ Moore was the Panthers' fourth receiver in week one, as we alluded to uh, on last week's Feast podcast. Only played 25% of the snaps. Don't really want anything to do with Torrey Smith. Don't really want anything to do with Jarius Wright. Um, 
Ian Thomas will replace Greg Olson. And I like Ian Thomas. You know, he averaged 15 yards per reception his final year at Indiana. That's very high yards per reception average for a tight end. He was the number two spark athlete in this year's tight end class behind only Mike Jasicki. I really liked what I saw from him in the preseason. All camp reports were really good. Not ready to use him yet in fantasy. Um, He certainly should be owned in every dynasty league, though. I mean, Greg Olson is 33 years old and just fractured his foot for, you know, the second time in less than a calendar year. And Ian Thomas is the next man up, uh, was a, uh, I believe he was 101st overall pick in the draft. We can move on to the next one. Okay, the next matchup we've got, it's the Chargers who were disappointing against the Bills who were terrible. I believe as we record this, at 9.35 a.m. Eastern Time, Evan, on Wednesday, that we still don't know who the starting quarterback will be for the Bills. I think that my personal opinion is that it would be they'd have a tough time putting Peterman back out there in the home opener. I, I think that there could be like a mutiny among the fans. They don't want to see that guy. They've seen him a couple times now, and it's been awful and they drafted Josh Allen for a reason. My guess is Allen starts, Evan. That's my that's my two cents. Okay. Yeah, I mean I don't I don't know. I, I'm not sure that it matters. Um, the offensive line is so bad and the, the supporting cast is so bad that <clears throat> it's just not a good situation for anyone, you know. This is why I mean, I don't know. We we could go on for a, a long time about this, but this is a fantasy show. And, you know, you use the Chargers defense this week. I don't care that they gave up a ton of points to Pat Mahomes. Pat Mahomes is a friggin' stud. Uh, and, you know, the Chargers were a little banged up entering last week. Um, so, you know, we're, 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 you know, streaming defenses against the Bills every single week until they show that we shouldn't. Uh, it's very worrisome for LaShawn McCoy. You know, I mean, his his volume should still be pretty safe. They are at least going back home. I mean, they were never going to be competitive on the road in Baltimore last week. That was never a, never an expectation. So, um, I mean, we can have some hope for LaShawn McCoy just in terms of volume. He has scored 17 of his 22 touchdowns over the last two seasons in home games. Uh, the Bills have pretty big uh, home road splits. Uh, over the past several seasons. So, but I mean, I'm not, not trying to mess around with really anybody else uh, in, in the offense. Uh, on the Chargers side, you know, they should be able to attack this secondary that really was, you know, one of the best secondaries in the NFL last year. But, um, you know, they lost, the, well, they started a rookie, Tayron Johnson, a later round rookie, or I think he was, a, a, he was certainly a third day pick. Uh, they started him at slot corner. He got injured uh, after he just got burnt to a crisp early in the game. And then uh, Philip Gaines was just atrocious, as, as he always has been. I don't know how these guys keep getting chances when they just show that they can't play at all. But it happens. And, um, you know, the, the this is not a good mix against Keenan Allen. Uh, Keenan Allen should have a big game here. Tyrell Williams left a lot of yards and a big touchdown on the field 
last week. That really was the tale of the Chargers game. I mean, the Chargers should have dropped 40, I mean, maybe even 50 on the Chiefs. They just, they missed so many opportunities. I mean, and, you know, some of it was Phillip Rivers and some of it was Tyrell. Um, and Travis Benjamin uh, left a ton of yards on the field. Um, I think that, but Rivers did end up with a pretty good fantasy game. And I think that he is like a low end quarterback one in Buffalo. This is the perfect time to go to Buffalo. You don't want to be playing Buffalo, you know, in November and December, uh, but it, the weather should be solid. And uh, I think that Rivers has a good game. Keenan Allen has a good game. Uh, Benjamin Tyrell and Mike are, you know, none of them are, is really like a safe fantasy option. And then, um, Antonio Gates didn't play a whole lot in that first game, did catch a two-point conversion, and his role will grow uh, steadily as the season progresses. Uh, He's more of like a low-end, low-upside streamer, probably touchdown or bust kind of guy. Austin Eckler was outstanding in week one as the change of pace back, but Melvin Gordon is still obviously the lead guy there, Uh, and we can attack the Bills on the ground. Melvin Gordon, a really strong RB1 play. Austin Eckler, I mean, he should be owned everywhere in fantasy, but, um, you know, more of like a, more of a bi-week flex option as opposed to a guy we want to be all of a sudden putting in our flex right away. We can move on to the next one. Okay, Minnesota and Green Bay. We saw how the Vikings will operate with Kirk Cousins and John Filippo for the first time. And as for the Packers, we are supposedly waiting on Aaron Rodgers' knee. Uh, in my experience, usually when the guy says after the game he's going to play and he finishes a game, he usually does. But, I don't know, the Vikings' defense is pretty ferocious. So I guess there's some chance if it's like a grade 2 MCL that they'd have him sit out a week, which would basically be just conceding the game because they're not beating the Vikings with Deshaun Kaiser. Yeah, I mean, I think that Aaron Rodgers is going to play. Um, now, in 2016, he played a lot of the season with a hamstring injury that really limited his mobility. Uh, he went. He still led the NFL in touchdown passes that year, and I thought that there were times where it kind of benefited him. You know, obviously, you, you want a guy to have his full – his full arsenal, ideally. But I think that there were times when it kind of benefited him from a, uh, like a, um, a consistency standpoint because um, he's just kind of confined to the pocket. He's not, you know, making random plays. And that was during a time in his career when he was kind of playing a little out, out of control. Um, and that, like, kind of reined him back in. Uh, but I, I think that he can be highly, highly effective uh, even without his mobility, even though that really is a big part of his game. Um, his results against Mike Zimmer's defense have been not particularly great. Um, you know, that's par for the course against a Mike Zimmer defense. He's thrown a lot of touchdown passes, though. I mean, he doesn't have big yardage totals, and you can read more in my matchups column for all of this, but he has thrown touchdown passes. I think that if he... You know, if he's out there, we're starting him in season long, and we lower our, our expectations in, uh, like, re, in um, you know, just in terms of what he's going to give us. But, uh, you know, last week, like, Jimmy Garoppolo did not have a good fantasy game in, from a result standpoint, 
but my goodness gracious, they left a, they left a lot of opportunities on the field. I mean, Pierre Garcon dropped a 15-yard touchdown, and George Kittle dropped an 80-yard touchdown, and Garoppolo missed George Kittle for a four-yard touchdown. So, look, hey, they convert two of those three things. We're talking about a really close game. The 49ers might even win. And uh, we're probably looking at Garoppolo in a di- his game in a different light. Um, so, you know, it's not impossible to get production against the Vikings. And uh, they're now on the road. And this is a better environment for Aaron Rodgers to do damage. I think that we will see... Xavier Rhodes on Devontae Adams. Actually, I fully expect that to be the case. Uh, the Vikings, even when Jordy Nelson was there last year and you know, everything was kind of clicking early in the season for the Packers, they had Aaron Rodgers healthy. The Vikings put Xavier Rhodes on Devontae Adams in that game over Jordy Nelson. Now, Jordy Nelson is gone. Uh, Devontae Adams did have five catches for 54 yards and a touchdown in that game. So, again, you know, you, you probably downgrade him to, like, a wide receiver, too. But you, you want to keep him in your starting lineup. But it is, you know, it is uncomfortable. Um, Randall Cobb could be uh, the biggest beneficiary, and he had a monster week one. Um, led the team in targets. Uh, nine catches for 142 yards and a touchdown. Of course, a big chunk of that came on that game-winning score a really long score. I believe it was like 75 yards or something. Um, but, I mean, he had eight catches otherwise. So that, that puts him in good position. And the Vikings, uh, they lost Trey Waynes, their left cornerback. What I think that this the fallout from this will be, will be uh, Mike Hughes, their first-round pick, moving out to left corner, and then Mackenzie Alexander coming in and covering the slot. And Mackenzie Alexander is... He's been a big disappointment in the pros. He's been a liability. Randall Cobb, of course, uh, plays a ton in the slot. In week one, he had the, ran the fifth most slot routes of any player in the NFL. Uh, Geronimo Allison had a really nice week one game as well. Eight targets, five for 69 and a touchdown. Um, played 70% of the snaps. So he's the clear Packers number three Receiver, He beat out Equinemius St. Brown, Marcus Valdez-Scantling, and Jamon Moore. Um, and, I mean, I think that he's a, he's a fantasy play. I mean, you know, the Vikings are a little banged up in the secondary right now. And Xavier Rhodes is going to be on Devontae Adams. You know, and Geronimo Allison, he's not – he's far from a guarantee. You know, he's a little bit volatile. And, you know, it's, it's possible that he goes like two for 30. But he has like legitimate upside based on the matchup. Um, and I think that you can upgrade him to like a, a wide receiver, like a wide receiver three slash four. Uh, last week, the Packers only threw one pass inside the 10 yard line and, uh, Rogers directed it at Geronimo Allison. So that is always good to see. We like to see quarterbacks targeting our players in scoring position from a fantasy standpoint. Jimmy Graham was a flop against the Bears. The Bears were really good covering tight ends all last year under Vic Fangio. Ton of athleticism at linebacker. Uh, really underrated safety play, Adrian Amos and uh, Eddie Jackson. Um, but that was, you know, discouraging. Now, Jimmy Graham did play 59 of 60 snaps. Like to see that. And the Vikings just got torched by George Kittle for 90 yards. Uh, you know, not including, obviously, that four-yard score that we talked about that Garoppolo missed him for and 
the 80 yard touchdown bomb that he dropped. Uh, so there were a, there were a lot more opportunities for George Kittle, and I think that that can potentially work in the favor of Jimmy Graham. Uh, Jimmy Graham stick with him despite the slow opener. Uh, Latavius Murray wound up with 11 carries, but Dalvin Cook had uh, 22 touches in week one, um, and he was the clear lead back early in the game. Uh, The Vikings, as they kind of got comfortable against the 49ers, started giving the ball to Latavius Murray more, but Dalvin Cook was the clear featured guy, 80% of the snaps, seven targets. Latavius Murray had zero targets. Uh, The Packers defense got carved a little bit by the Bears running backs last Sunday night. Gave up uh, 5.4 yards per carry on 20 rushes to Jordan Howard and Tara Cohen. Uh, They also gave up eight receptions combined to Jordan Howard and Tara Cohen. They struggle at inside linebacker due to injuries. Uh, Dalvin Cook was used a ton in the passing game in week one. That should be a big part of John DeFilippo's offense, getting the ball to Dalvin Cook on the passing game in space. Dalvin Cook, really strong play here. Uh, and, you know, I think he gets another 20-plus touches. Uh, Kirk Cousins played – he was real solid uh, working behind an offensive line that wasn't great in protection in week one. I mean, DeForest Buckner, you know, we talked about how that could be a problem for that, that Vikings interior offensive line. Dude had three sacks. Um, but uh, Kirk Cousins – uh, had a solid, if unspectacular, uh, opener. Uh, he made an incredible uh, tight window throw to Stefan Diggs. I mean, could not have placed it any better. I don't know how many quarterbacks in the NFL uh, could could even execute that throw, but that was an unbelievable throw for a 22-yard touchdown. Uh, Kyle Rudolph scored a little bit later from 11 yards out. Uh, the Packers did play well in pass defense in week one. But, you know, that Mitchell Trubisky offense just it's it's got it's got to come a ways uh, before we consider that, you know, indicative of future performance. Uh, I think this game has high scoring potential. Uh, Kirk Cousins uh, has upside and a pretty good floor. Um, I did not talk about the Packers running back situation. Jamal Williams, 15 touches in week one. But the fact that the Packers wound up playing that game from behind after Khalil Mack just went on a first-half tear. Uh, that led to more playing time than expected for Ty Montgomery. Uh, now Jamal Williams has to face a Vikings defense that you know played pretty well in Week One against the run versus Alfred Morris and Matt Breida, and you know has historically been really good against the run under Mike Zimmer. Uh, so Jamal Williams like a low-end RB two right now, and then Aaron Jones comes back next week to muddy up the picture. I, if Aaron Jones is on waiver wires, make sure that you grab him before the week is up. In the Vikings receiver core, Adam Thielen dominated targets 12 in week one. Next closest on the team was Dalvin Cook with seven. So that's a pretty large margin. Uh, Adam Thielen also led the team in air yards, 157. That's a predictive metric. We've had Josh Hermsmeyer on the show to discuss in the past uh, multiple times. Um, so definitely want to be looking at targets and air yards for wide receivers. Uh, the, the 157 air yards for Adam Thielen were seventh most in the entire league last year. He ran 67% of his routes in the slot. Packer slot corner is a rookie. 
Jair Alexander, who likely has a bright future, but we like to attack rookie cornerbacks wherever possible until they show that we should stop. Uh, Pro Football Focus charged Jair Alexander with the highest week one passer rating allowed in among the Packers cornerbacks. Stefan Diggs uh, caught that 22-yard touchdown pass from Kirk Cousins last week. Now he goes against uh, Tremont Williams. He's going to be playing on the outside. Uh, he's going to go up against Tremont Williams, 35 years old, and Kevin King, a real big dude, like a Seahawks-style cornerback, 6'3", 200. But that quickness that Stefan Diggs can win with going to be tough for those guys to contain. Uh, Stefan Diggs, again, a really, really good start uh, and a big upside whenever he is healthy. He can have a monster game here. Kyle Rudolph only drew two targets in week one. Uh, I think that was mildly concerning. We did talk about his how his matchup was not necessarily the best against Jaquiski Tart, the 49ers tight end stopper, um, who was healthy. He was a difference maker for the 49ers tight end coverage last year. And um, Kirk, you know, Kyle Rudolph did not have a great matchup, but he did escape with that 11-yard score. Um, he ran 33 pass routes. Kyle Rudolph ran 33 pass routes. That was good to see, especially in a game where the Vikings had the lead. Uh, for most of the game, or for even the entire game, um, that was the 12th most routes run by any tight end in, the, in football in week one. You know, I don't think he's going to be a high catch and high yardage guy, but he he can score TDs. Again, he's got you know, he had 15 touch, touchdowns over the last two seasons, open week one with a score. We can move on to the next one. Next one, Cleveland 0-0-1 against the Saints. I mean, the Saints, Evan... It was Kamara as a workhorse. Michael Thomas had a big game. Breeze did his thing. But their defense got torched by my dude Fitzmagic. What do you think about Tyrod and the boys? Tyrod didn't look great, by the way. I know, I know. Well, first of all, they're using him wrong. Like, how are you – you don't – when you have Tyrod Taylor, you do not drop him back to pass 47 times in a game, okay? He completes 38% of them. You know, the, the Bills, you know, they're not, they were not the greatest managed team, but they knew how to use Tyrod. You know, you, you use him like as a, almost like as a compliment to your running game. Um, you do not drop him back to pass 47 times under any circumstances. And especially with an undrafted rookie, Desmond Harrison, you know, going up against TJ Watt, TJ Watt just went off four sacks, um, Desmond Harrison was, uh, he gave up the most hurries in the league uh, in week one. He committed four penalties. I mean, what a disaster. You know, like, I don't know what they're doing, man, but um, they are not putting themselves in position to succeed. Uh, now, and, you know, they, they you win the turnover battle by five turnovers, six to one, and you somehow can't win the game at home. Um, so, Tyrod, to me, did not look healthy, and they're really forcing the issue with him. He got hurt in the preseason, and um, I think he still has, like, arm problems from that. He's a friggin' warrior, and he's, you know, really, really tough. But, you know, they are just intent on doing whatever they can to keep Baker Mayfield out of the lineup for, you know, whatever reason. The good news is Tyrod is going to the Superdome. This game has high-scoring potential. He ran for eight. 
77 and a touchdown in week one through another touchdown. You would have to think that Josh Gordon would be more involved. Tyrod is an extreme, an intriguing streamer in fantasy. Uh, I wish that they would optimize his usage a little bit more. Carlos Hyde dominated touches in week one. Now the Browns were playing from behind. Theoretically, that would suit Duke Johnson, but Duke Johnson only got six touches. Carlos Hyde got 23 and played 53% of the snaps. Uh, Nick Chubb, only three touches. Duke Johnson is unusable in fantasy football, uh, and Carlos Hyde is a kind of kind of touchdown or bust uh, RB1. You know, you have to – RB2. Um, you have to still be concerned, like, hey, if they get down 17 to nothing to this team, you know, what exactly is going to happen? But, hey, they played from behind all last game, and it was still Carlos Hyde. That's not good for Duke Johnson in fantasy football. Uh, Jarvis Landry, you know, Tyrod and he, and he showed chemistry in the preseason. That carried over into week one. Um, Jarvis Landry had 15 targets. Next closest on the team was David Njoku at seven. Uh, Dart and Jarvis Landry had the second most air yards of any player in the NFL behind only Julio in week one. Did not get a red zone target, uh, but he is going to be a, a really strong play against the Saints. I don't think, you know, Marshawn Lattimore plays outside. Jarvis Landry is playing 75% inside, so he's going to avoid the Saints' best cornerback, although, you know, worth pointing out that Marshawn Lattimore did get torched last week by Mike Evans, uh, who caught every ball thrown his way for 147 yards and a touchdown, seven catches. Uh, that's going to be up to Josh Gordon this week. You know, fully expect to see Marshawn Lattimore on Josh Gordon. It's kind of a boom-bust situation. You know, there are definitely plays where Josh Gordon could be, like, motioned away from Marshawn Lattimore or, you know, or, hey, Marshawn Lattimore, you know, he just beats Marshawn Lattimore like Mike Evans did. And in a game that, you know, has high-scoring potential, um, Josh Gordon is – you know, he's tough to get away from. I, I really think that 78% of the snaps last week. Uh, so, you know, the, whatever the Browns said before the game just went immediately out the window. Uh, Josh Gordon is a full-time player. David Njoku, uh, 13 yards on seven targets in week one, uh, had back-to-back drops on one third quarter dri- drive that really killed the drive. Um, you know, He's an exciting player, but he is, you know, he's still learning. I mean, he's real, real young, and um, he's, like, on the the tight end one fringe. Uh, On the Saints side, like, they, you know, they I think they bounce back big here, and I think they really probably just drop hammers on the Browns. Um, You know, their, their defense didn't show up at all against Ryan Fitzpatrick, but, you know, like Ryan Fitzpatrick played awesome and Ryan Fitzpatrick has those games where he plays awesome sometimes, you know, not usually, but he sometimes does. And he did in week one. Uh, I think Alvin Kamara goes off though. Again, three touchdowns last week, um, scored two of them from inside the five yard line. Love to see that. Um, Drew Brees had a big game, you know, chasing against the Buccaneers. I don't see any reason why he wouldn't uh, have another big game here against the Browns. Um, 
Browns gave up over eight yards per attempt to Ben Roethlisberger last week. Now Roethlisberger threw a ton of picks, uh, but you know that's what Roethlisberger does in those road games at 1 p.m. Eastern time. Historically, uh, he's really struggled uh, in those games. I think that Drew Brees has a big week two against Cleveland. Every reason to believe that he will, um, and that begins with Michael Thomas who drew 17 targets in week one, caught 16 of them, uh, had a monster game. You know, he played over 50% of his snaps in the slot, which last year he was only at 20%, but he was super effective on slot targets. And um, we're, it looks like we're going to see him more in the slot this year. Brian Body Calhoun, the Browns' week one slot corner, got just flamed by Juju Smith-Schuster in week one, gave up 158 yards uh, in pass coverage. And that was the most of any cornerback in the league in week one. Michael Thomas is set up for another big game at home. Uh, Ted Ginn had a, a real solid game. He played 80% of the Saints snaps. Traquan Smith didn't play very much at all. Uh, and Cameron Meredith was inactive. Austin Carr was... You know, theoretically, the Saints starting slot receiver, but he only saw two targets. Ted Ginn is going to be a kind of big player bust guy. Um, I think we know what we're getting with him. Uh, and he's probably going to match up a lot with Denzel Ward, who, by the way, I thought had an awesome week one game, uh, really holding his own against Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown still got his, but, you know, didn't go over 100 yards in a game where, you know, most people probably thought that he would have. Um, Ben Watson played 80% of the Saints' week one snaps, caught all four of his targets for 44 yards. He has legitimate streamer appeal in week two against the Browns. Browns, you know, because they play their they play base defense on passing downs with three linebackers and because they play their free safety, you know, in punt return alignment, uh, tight ends mash them. And, uh, you know, tight ends can, they just have like, it's like three yards. And uh, Jesse James had 60 yards. Jesse James, a blocking tight end, had 60 yards against him last week. I think Ben Watson can absolutely have a big game. We can move on to the next one. Well, before we do that, though, I want to make sure everybody has already downloaded the app or gone to DraftKings.com and used the code FEAST to enter a contest for free this weekend with your first deposit and compete for your share of over $2 million in total prizes. That's Code Feast only at DraftKings, the game inside the game. Listen, you listen to the Fantasy Feast podcast. You listen to the best, Evan Silva, and we break down every fantasy-relevant guy. So use that knowledge to win part of that $2 mil using the code FEAST at DraftKings. Again, it's the game inside the game. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. It's awesome. It's one-week fantasy. It's no season-long commitment. I think most of you guys already know that stuff by now, but for the newbies, there you go. DraftKings.com, code FEAST. How about the Dolphins and the Jets? Evan, I think both of them probably played a little bit better offensively than people thought they would. Uh, the Jets, oh yeah, both both teams did. Um, 
the Jets, I mean, that was a really impressive debut. I, he Technically, he didn't have to do much. Sam Darnold didn't have to do much in that game. Uh, he only needed 16 completions to beat the Lions. The Lions are just an absolute train wreck right now. But Sam Darnold emerged from his first NFL start, where he's the youngest ever quarterback to start a week one game. Top five in the NFL in yards per attempt. He averaged over nine yards per attempt against the Lions. And um, uh, he was top five in QBR as well. You know, the Lions, I mean, they're obviously a train wreck right now, but they do have multiple pro bowlers in their secondary, Glover Quinn, Darius Slay. So, that, I mean, that was not that was not a gimme matchup at all for Sam Darnold. Um, I think he's a two-quarterback league starter. We talked about before the season, I thought that this Jets passing game was underrated. You know, they have speed on the outside, and they have a chain mover on the inside, and Quincy Anunua, folks, he's ready. He's ready for this breakout season, 10 targets in week one. Um, just a perfect fit for Jeremy Bates' West Coast offense, man. I mean, I, I think he's going to lead this team in targets and catches this year. And, you know, he was a guy you could get, like, in the 15th through 18th rounds. I think he's an every-week fantasy starter. Got to use him against the Dolphins. Sam Darnold's going to have more pass attempts this week for sure. That's something that we can count on. And the, the target share that Quincy and Nunwa had in week one, 10 out of 21, you know, that bodes really well for games where like Sam Darnold has 39 attempts, which are going to be, you know, more than the, the games where he has 21 attempts. And Quincy and Nunwa could have like 15 target games. I mean, this is a really big deal, especially in PPR leagues. Quincy and Nunwa, fire him up confidently. Robbie Anderson is, you know, looks like he, I mean, he drew Darius Slay for most of that game. Uh, so it's not necessarily representative of what's to come. Only saw one target, but he caught, he caught it for a 41-yard touchdown. Actually got passed off to uh, Tavon Wilson on that play. Um, but he, he began it on uh, Darius Slay. And that's a reminder that, you know, we can talk about the cornerback matchups, but at the end of the day, like, you want to lean toward um, talent and projected volume uh, over the, you know, it's, it's definitely something that we should consider, I think. But uh, the talent and the overall volume are more important than the cornerback matchups because these guys don't match up on every single play together. Um, so uh, let's talk about the backfield a little bit. Um, the Lions, of course, got just shredded or I'm sorry, the Jets shredded the Lions in week one on the ground. Ten carries for 102 and two touchdowns for Isaiah Crowell. Uh, Bilal Powell, 13 touches, two targets. Um, both guys played 40% of the snaps. So this is clearly like a 50-50 timeshare. Bilal Powell actually had more touches, even though Isaiah Crowell had more production. Uh, the Dolphins did a pretty good job of defending the run early in last week's game against Derrick Henry. And then when Deion Lewis came in, they were much less successful. Um, but they did hold the uh, the Titans to under 3.9 yards per carry. Um, you know, I even though Isaiah Crowell had the monster results in week one, I think that these guys are still pretty even in terms of their fantasy value and their startability, uh, Bilal Powell and 
Isaiah Crowell. I think that they're both just just flex options. Um, you know, Isaiah Crowell only had 10 touches in week one, uh, zero targets. Um, we talked about the receivers. Uh, you know, if uh, the, the third receiver, as we talked about, was likely to happen last week. The third receiver was Terrell Pryor, but he only ran 11 pass routes, played 40% of the snaps. And if Jermaine Curse comes back this week, Terrell Pryor likely loses playing time. Uh, Neil Sterling played 67% of the Jets' t- uh, snaps at tight end. Um, I kind of like Neil Sterling. Uh, converted wide receiver out of Monmouth. Caught all of his, all three of his targets for 27 yards. Um, you know, I think you can kind of put him on the radar in deep slash dynasty leagues, but you know, not quite a streamer right now. On the other side, Ryan Tannehill was a game manager in week one. And now Ryan Tannehill was a game manager in 2016 under Adam Gase. Average less than 30 attempts per game that season. Uh, did have the most efficient season of his, of his career. So this may be the optimal way to use Ryan Tannehill. In week one, he was pretty good. Did throw a couple of picks, but uh, he had 28 pass attempts, dropped back to pass 29 times, uh, and they had 29 rushing attempts as a team. Um, I, you know, they're going to try to be balanced to run first. Now they go on the road. Uh, they're facing a Jets defense that is really underrated um, against the pass, I think, you know, especially after adding Tremaine Johnson. Uh, you know, Morris Claiborne has been healthy. Both of those safeties are in their second year. They picked off Stafford four times in week one, held him to 2.7 adjusted yards per attempt, his lowest since October of 2015. Uh, I think that this is just a two-quarterback league situation for Ryan Tannehill. Kenyon Drake was the Dolphins' week one lead back, 17 touches, 74% of the snaps. Frank Gore, nine touches, 29% of the snaps. Kalen Balage, the fourth-round pick, was a healthy scratch. Frank Gore was good, though, man. I mean, nine carries for 61. There was a one drive that it, it ended in a Kenny Stills' 10-yard touchdown where Frank Gore just dominated. I think he had three carries for 38 yards on that drive alone. He looked good. Um, you know, it's not going to be a, a workhorse feature back situation for Kenyon Drake, but he's a solid RB2, uh, and he's definitely the leader of the backfield. In week one, the Jets uh, shut down the Lions running game, held them to 13 carries for 34 scoreless yards, 2.6 yards per carry. They did, up, did, they did give up eight catches to the Lions running backs. Uh, that is important more for Drake than Gore. Gore had zero targets in week one, only ran seven routes. Kenyon Drake ran 24 routes and had four targets. Uh, so again, Kenyon Drake, solid start here even though he is not, um, you know, a true bell cow runner. Uh, and uh, we look at the, the Dolphins' passing game members, you know, no one topped seven targets in week one. It was seven for Jakeem Grant, Danny Amendola six, Kenny Stills five, Drake and Albert Wilson four apiece, Mike Jasicki two. 
Kenny Stills is the the really the only guy that I think we should we should really even bother with here. Uh, he played by far the most snaps of the receiver core, ninety five percent. Only Dolphins receiver also to draw a target inside the ten yard line. Uh, Jakeem Grant did lead the Dolphins in air yards in Week One with one hundred sixteen, but he um, only played forty percent of the snaps and had thirty eight yards on five catches. You know, I just, I'm not so sure about his playing time. He's fourth in the rotation. Jakeem Grant, even though he led the team in targets and air yards, he's the fourth receiver uh, in terms of playing time behind Kenny Stills, Denny Amendola, and Albert Wilson. So it's just kind of a, a diff, especially on a team that's going to be balanced to run first, it's a hard situation to really trust uh, from a, a fantasy standpoint. Again, the one guy that I do like is Kenny Stills. Had that 10-yard touchdown, and he smoked Malcolm Butler on a 75-yard touchdown bomb. He's going to have his lows. He's going to have some low weeks, but he has the most secure role in the Dolphins' wide receiver core. Uh, Mike Jasicki only played 34% of the snaps against the Titans. That was disappointing. A.J. Derby played 74%. And Durham Smythe, the rookie out of Notre Dame, mixed in for 24%. Uh, I don't think we can use Mike Jasicki until his role picks up. Move on to the next one. Next one, Kansas City. It was the Pat Mahomes, Tyree Kill show yep. against the Steelers. I thought Connor did some pretty good things as of 10.13 a.m. Eastern time. Le'Veon Bell has still not reported to the Steelers. And at this point, I, I mean – I don't see the logic in him. If he's, if he's willing to skip paychecks, then he should probably skip 10 of them and just play the last six games. So it's, it's Connor again, at least for this week. Yeah, and I haven't even gotten to, like, analyzing this game fully, uh, but I just say fire the cannons on everyone. I mean, I don't, you know, you, you, there's not a good argument against really, like, anyone in this game. Maybe Sammy Watkins, just because, you know, we have yet to see the chemistry between him and Pat Mahomes. But, I mean, Travis Kelsey, Kareem Hunt, you know, Tyreek Hill, Mahomes himself, uh, other side, Roethlisberger, A.B., Connor, Juju, you know. I mean, this is going to be a massive shootout. I I fully expect this to be a massive shootout. Steelers are awesome at home. Um, You know, I I think we could just move on to the next one, like, People, you know, people should be hitting this one hard in DFS. Got it. All right, let's All get right. to the Eagles and the Bucks. I'm intrigued by this one, Evan. So, yeah. let, you know, the Bucks obviously Fitzmagic was unbelievable. Everybody it seemed like for the Bucks had a big game. They are going against a better defense now in Philadelphia. What are you thinking? Why don't we start with the Bucks? Yeah. So. Um, the first thing that I did is I went back and looked at how Ryan Fitzpatrick played in games after he had big games. Um, because, you know, the, the, his, his, like, his calling card as a player is like inconsistency. I mean, you know, I, he's a fun dude to watch sometimes. Sometimes. I mean, and his highs are high. But... He's also highly inconsistent, and, you know, what do you know? I went back and looked at all, all his games after – or his last 
uh, one, two, three, four, seven starts uh, following games where he threw three or more touchdown passes. And I mean, you know, it's, it's about as bad as you would expect. Only one good game out of seven. Um, you know, lots of picks, not, not many yards. And as you mentioned, you know, now he's facing a much better de- or a better defense. Although, you know, entering week one, we would have considered the Saints a good defense because they deserve to be considered that. And they actually added pieces on the defense in the offseason to Mario Davis, uh, Marcus Davenport, Kirk Coleman. I mean, their, their personnel got better, uh, but they didn't show up in the first game. You know, I I think that it's kind of point chasing to go after Ryan Fitzpatrick. There are reasons to believe in him. Um, first one is is his weapons. Uh, his weapons are just they're awesome. You know, there's no way around that. And I love Todd Monken, uh, the you know former wide receivers coach. Uh, he loves Chris Godwin. We're going to see a lot more Chris Godwin this game because it doesn't look like Deshaun Jackson is going to play. But that also kind of is a strike against. Uh, Fitzpatrick that Djax isn't playing because of how many how, how big a role he played in Ryan Fitzpatrick's awesome first game. I, I'm not I'm not trying to stream Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know I, I missed on him last week. Um, maybe I'm being too stubborn, uh, but I, I think that he's probably not going to follow it up with a particularly great performance. Uh, Eagles did not have Nigel Bradham in their first game. He is back from suspension. Uh, and even without him in the lineup last week, they held uh, the Falcons backs to under 3.7 yards per carry. Um, the Buccaneers backfield. So Peyton Barber, you know, I thought that Jacquez Rogers was going to be more of a third down back, but he really wasn't. Uh, and Peyton Barber wound up playing 74% of the Bucks' offensive snaps, 19 carries, unfortunately was not involved in the passing game and he has never reached 20 catches in a season in college or the pros. Uh, so that is, I mean, he's like a touchdown or bus guy in a bad matchup, you know, that gets even worse with Nigel Bradham coming back. Nigel Bradham is like a difference maker for, um, the, the, uh, the Eagles at, uh, weak side linebacker. Um, on to the receiver. So, the way that you get you can get production against the Eagles defense is attacking them with wide receivers. Their cornerbacks are, you know, like league average. I would say maybe a little bit above, um, but you know that's that would be their maybe their weakness. I guess on defense, I don't really consider it a weakness, but that would be their weakest point to attack. That bodes well for Mike Evans. You know that bodes well for Chris Godwin. I think that hey. Even with Fitzpatrick in there, you know, you're, we're going to get the playing time this week if no DJX, and I don't, I don't think that any of the Bucks beat writers expect DJX to play. We are going to get the uh, the playing time that we need from Chris Godwin. He has played four games in his career uh, where he has played at least 40 snaps. And, you know, if no DJX, he'll cle- he'll, he will clear 40 snaps with ease and he'll probably play around 60 uh, Chris Godwin's game, uh, his production in those games, five for 68, solid, but unspectacular three for 98 strong seven for one, one, one and a touchdown. Yeah. Yes, please. And three catches for 41 yards and a touchdown. So at very least, I think he's a wide receiver three 
Mike Evans is a wide receiver one. One thing we talked about, you know, throughout the offseason, when, when everyone considered Ryan Fitzpatrick to be a negative for Mike Evans, we talked about how, hey, Mike Evans has been productive with Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, just as productive. He didn't lose any production with Ryan Fitzpatrick. And now through four games extensively played together, uh, Mike Evans has three catches for 95 yards and a touchdown, six for 78, five for 92, and seven catches for 147 yards and a touchdown in those four games with Ryan Fitzpatrick. So we start Mike Evans with confidence. His matchup this week is easier than what he faced last week when he torched Marshawn Lattimore. The the Eagles do not have a cornerback as good as Marshawn Lattimore. And the Eagles also gave up 10 for 169 to Julio Jones in week one in a game that could have been bigger. Uh, they, they left some yards on the field. Um, the, the rest of the guys, you know, Adam Humphreys, OJ Howard, Cameron Bray, they just kind of cancel each other out as possession guys. OJ Howard did make two big plays in the opener, but only got two targets and, you know, we need more production or we need more volume than that. Cameron Bray wasn't a factor at all, unfortunately. Uh, and then they're facing off with the Eagles who held, uh, are, are, are almost always really good in tight end coverage. Because uh, they have a lot of athleticism at linebacker, really good safety play in Malcolm Jenkins and Rodney McLeod. Uh, they held the Falcons tight ends to 24 yards on five targets in week one. Uh, Nick Foles, not good in, in week one. Um, 0 for 7 on passes attempted 15 yards or further downfield. Um, you know, the, the Buccaneers' pass defense really is not imposing at all. They just lost Vernon Hargreaves, their slot corner, likely for the season. Um, unfortunately, like, we just haven't seen Nick Foles play well enough in the preseason in week one uh, to trust him outside of, like, a, being a low-end two-quarterback league play. You know, I just – he's such a tough guy to get a, ha- a handle on because, you know, you see him perform at such a high level – and then you see him perform like, you know, like a, a bottom barrel backup. And it's like, I don't, I don't know what to say, but I, I do think that he is not really, you know, viewable as anything more than uh, what we described. Jay Ajayi started off last week's game slow, uh, you know, and got a lot of people worried. But they turned to him in the second half and he was their bell cow in the final two quarters, had 12 of his 15 carries after halftime, turned him into 51 yards and two touchdowns with a two-point conversion. Um, Doug Peterson came out after the game and said, hey, you know, uh, we wanted to ease Jay Ajayi back into the game. He hasn't practiced a whole lot. He had like a late camp foot injury, and they wanted to ease him into the flow of the game. Uh, And then he said, you will see more of Jay Ajayi as we move forward. So I like to hear that uh, Jay Ajayi was clearly the best back in the backfield. Uh, you know, they Darren Sproles, I mean, he played a ton of snaps, but wasn't very effective. And Corey Clement uh, had one good run and four not great runs. Uh, and, you know, he's just a handcuff at this point. I think a lot of people, myself included to some extent, expected Corey Clement to maybe have some standalone value. Uh, based on week one, that's not happening. So he needs to be downgraded to a hand- handcuff only. Um, 
you know, look, JHI is the, the lead back. No, he's not a workhorse like Le'Veon Bell or David Johnson. You know, he's not being used like that. But he is the clear lead back on a team that has the best offensive line in the league per Ross Tucker's O-line tiers. Um, and, uh, I mean, he's going to score touchdowns. You know, and touchdowns are good. So it's really that simple. JHI every week, RB2. In the passing game, Zach Ertz drew 10 targets in week one. Falcons did a really good job against him, though. Held him to 48 scoreless yards. Um, you know, it's what what matters at the end of the day is is the volume. And, you know, that's what we bet on. And, you know, still no Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, Zach Ertz has caught at least five passes in 19 of his last 27 games. 70.4% clip. That's pretty awesome. Uh, you know, no, no hesitation starting him against the Buccaneers. Ben Watson just hit him up for four catches on four targets, 44 yards in the opener. Uh, Nelson Aguilar was the Eagles' featured week one playmaker. Tied Ertz for the team lead in targets with 10. Uh, you know, they used him on that, that Philly, 50, Philly Philly pass, uh, you know, at padding his stats with a 15-yard completion to Foles. He ran for 16 yards on an end around, you know, in the playoffs last year, they used him uh, as a rusher at times, but that's a whole lot of opportunity uh, to, you know, weigh different ways to paint the box score for Nelson Aguilar. He played 93% of the Eagles offensive snaps, only played 72% last year. So his usage arrow is really pointing up. I know he didn't have a lot of receiving yards, but that's going to happen against the Falcons you know, when they have a lot of speed uh, on the second and third levels. And, you know, they just tackled him immediately every time he got the ball. But, hey, you know, the eight catches on ten targets, like, I'll take that. And he's going to have a much easier matchup this week, uh, especially running he, – and he ran over 50% of his routes in the slot. It's not like 90% like it was last year. But he's kind of like their poor man's Keenan Allen. Uh, he's going to play outside half the time and slot half the time, at least until Alshon comes back. Uh, and he is a confident fantasy play in this game. Uh, Mike Wallace had, I don't think he had a target in week one. Uh, he definitely did not have a catch. Um, no, he had a, he had a, he had a couple targets. Foles bat missed him on, he was open on a deep route. Yes. Yes. You're right. He actually had three targets. You were right. Um, well, this rookie Carlton Davis for the Buccaneers had a real bad week one. And uh, I think that, you know, Mike Wallace is like, you know, he's not like safe or trustworthy by any means. But I think you could play him as like a wide receiver four slash flex this week. Um, he had a lot of air yards uh, in week one. He actually led the Eagles in air yards. He had over 100 air yards on three targets. He's going to get downfield targets, and it's just going to be a matter of, Nick Foles completing them, which, yes, that's dicey. But, again, you know, the opportunity is most important. And so Mike Wallace does have some he, – he, he does bring some appeal to the table this week, just not trustworthy. Dallas Goddard, only 24% of the snaps in week one. Uh, DeAndre Carter played 74%, which not even the Eagles beat riders uh, saw that coming. Shelton Gibson barely played um, – 
you know, can't use any of those guys in, in fantasy, unfortunately. I mean, hopefully we see more Goddard in week two. Uh, he didn't really help himself, though. Um, had what amounted to a drop on uh, Nick Foles' interception. Just got the ball, like, you know, bounced out of his hands. and uh, I don't, But I don't think that's going to help him. We can move on to the next one. Okay, how about uh, Houston at Tennessee? Uh, both teams struggled a little bit offensively with their young quarterbacks. Who, I mean, I guess Mariota is not even really that young anymore. I know. Yeah, I mean, came out of the preseason worried about Marcus Mariota. Remain worried about him. He didn't make it through the game healthy. This game was terrible, by the way, because it was delayed for like what seemed like the entire day. Um, and I was, of course, covering this one for Roto World. Um, but that was, you know, that was not fun. They lose Delaney Walker for the season. Hate that so much. Uh, they're going to turn to Johnu Smith. I don't know what the health status of Marcus Mariota is. Uh, they were highly ineffective running the ball early in the game with Derrick Henry. Deion Lewis came in, and their their game was, you know, their their running game was much better. Gabbert played; he was awful. Um, they're facing, you know, a Texans defense that I'm not sure what to think of the Texans defense. To be perfectly frank with you, uh, I just need to see them more. But right now, I mean, I'm worried about the Titans' offense. You know, and nothing has really changed after a, a, an ugly showing in the preseason. They're learning a new offense. You know, they can't keep their guys healthy. You know, Rashard Matthews missed all of camp. Uh, they started Tajay Sharp over Taewon Taylor uh, and Rashard Matthews, but Tajay Sharp didn't really do anything. Um, you know. I don't, I don't know, man. You know, I don't really know what to do there. Uh, Deshaun Watson um, was under a lot of pressure in week one. Uh, got nothing going down the field. They missed Will Fuller. I'm not sure if he's going to be back, but, you know, speed merchant receivers with hamstring injuries, not a great combination. Um, you know, DeAndre Hopkins should be a really strong play. Malcolm Butler, he gives up a lot. He gives up a lot of production, man. I mean, you know, Kenny Stills had his number last week, and uh, DeAndre Hopkins has a size technical advantage on Malcolm Butler. This should be a big game for DeAndre Hopkins. Um, Lamar Miller uh, gets vultured by Alfred Blue in the first game. That's frustrating for anybody that took Lamar Miller. He had some nice runs. He's just an RB2, you know, kind of low upside RB2 against the Titans. I, I do think that Deshaun Watson will play better, um, and you know I, I don't I don't think that you're turning away from Deshaun Watson even after he had a slow opener. We can move on to the next one. The next one is the last one for here, part one. It's the Colts where Andrew Luck did some good things, and the Redskins. Man, I told people if there was a guy that I wouldn't bet against because he's such a freak show. It's Adrian Peterson, 166 total yards, Evan. I know, 70 receiving yards, too, which was awesome. He looked great. I mean, this is a good line. When they have the guys healthy up front, this is a good line. We talked about that on the O-line tier show. Um, The scans, yeah, so, you know, 
the Cardinals were favored in that game, and the Redskins just pasted them. Just dominated the game. And, uh, you know, that's scary if I was, like, a fan of the Cardinals. I mean, the Cardinals looked like a bottom three team in week one. Um, you know, so a little bit of a grain of salt. But uh, Adrian Peterson is going to continue get, to get fed big time. 28 touches in week one. More snaps than Chris Thompson, 52% to 43%. Uh, gets an even more favorable matchup this week against the Colts. Uh, Colts just got torched by the Bengals running backs for over five yards per carry uh, at home. And now they go on the road to Washington. I think that Adrian Peterson has lost a little bit of quickness and agility. But, man, in terms of just, like, running hard and, you know, um, maximizing what he gets and, you know, just kind of like the ferocity that he plays with, he can absolutely still be an effective runner when he gets volume. And last year there were a couple of games where he did get volume and he had really good games and he got volume in week one and he had a really good game. And I think he's going to get volume again here. I mean, he's a home favorite facing a bad run defense. Every reason to believe that he's going to have another good game. Um, I think he should be locked in as an RB2 like to, into every every fantasy lineup. Uh, Chris Thompson, 128 total yards. Um, over his last six games, he has – I'm sorry. Over his last 16 games, Chris Thompson has 58 catches, 10 touchdowns, and 1,130 all-purpose yards. Um, so, dude's pretty good. Uh, and he's playing against the Colts, who gave up. Oh, they, they got hurt real badly on screens by Joe Mixon last week. I mean, Joe Mixon had three screen passes, and uh, they all were went for big gains, like between, you know, nine and 20-some yards. Uh, and Joe Mixon and Giovanni Bernard finished with uh, six for 65 on eight targets in that game. Um, got to use Chris Thompson on screens this week if you're Jay Gruden, and I think that he will. Chris Thompson, RB2 slash flex in PPR leagues. Alex Smith looked real comfortable uh, during the preseason and week one in Jay Gruden's offense. I mean, I, th- I think he's a good fit for it. Um, average eight and a half yards per attempt in week one. Um you know, Andy Dalton was he had a good fantasy game in week one against the Colts. Alex Smith should be solid. You know, I think he's gonna be solid again. And you know, before the season I looked at his schedule, weeks one through ten, I don't think that there is a, a quarterback in the league that has a more favorable schedule than what Alex Smith draws in weeks one through ten. So get used to him being a quality streamer most weeks. Chris Thompson led the team in week one targets. Paul Richardson was second um, with a long gain of seven on four catches. Uh, you know, I I think that Paul Richardson and Josh Doxson, they will maybe mix in decent games every now and again. I mean, look, maybe this will be one of them. But I just don't like their fit with Alex Smith at all because um, they neither of them get open. You want guys who can get open. Chris Thompson can get open. Jordan Reed can get open. Jameson Crowder can get open. And, you know, that's when Alex Smith is going to pull the trigger. And those are the guys that we should be looking at fantasy, uh, not 
Paul Richardson and Josh Doxson. Um, see, like Doxson, he played 90% of the Redskins snap last, snaps last week, but only three targets. Uh, just just not a good fit for, for his quarterback skill set. Uh, Andy Dalton went perfect five for five for 57 yards when throwing against or throwing to Bengals tight ends last week against the Colts. I think that bodes well for Jordan Reed. Uh, Jordan Reed ran 22 routes in week one. Um, that's enough. That's that's right where we want him. Um, and, you know, he's mostly healthy. Uh, and so I, I think that he's an every week fantasy starter as long as he's running 20 plus routes each week. And, he, and we can consider him to be mostly healthy. Uh, Jamison Crowder, you know, I, he is a good fit with Alex Smith. It's just how, how many targets is he going to get? You know, he only saw four last week with Jordan Reed and Chris Thompson healthy. You know, all these guys kind of play in the same areas of the field and they, you know, they kind of, they kind of hurt, they eat into each other's production and Chris Thompson and Jordan Reed are more talented than Jamison Crowder. So, you know, Jamison Crowder, he's kind of a tough one to, to really, really count on. I, I do think he's going to have more big games, though, than the outside receivers. Um, the Colts showed us that they were going to be a dink and dunk passing team in the preseason. When Andrew Luck attempted just two of 41 passes, uh, 20 plus yards downfield in week one. He attempted four of 53 passes, 20-plus yards downfield. Um, they had their most success really going after the Bengals in the short passing game. Now, they couldn't; they wound up not being able to stop the Bengals' offense, and uh, Jack Doyle had a game-sealing lost fumble uh, on the last play from scrimmage uh, that you know ended the game. Uh, that's why they lost, but they really did have – a decent amount of success offensively, not with the running game whatsoever. And, you know, that's going to be a fade for the foreseeable future, regardless of matchup because of the, the, you know, the, the, the distribution of targets there and potential of Marlon Mack returning from his hamstring injury. They're going to lean, have to lean on the pass. Uh, and they had what, 53 pass attempts in week one. I'm not sure it's going to be that high against the Redskins, but, I think it's going to have to be a lot, and it's going to be a lot of quick, a lot of quick game to Jack Doyle. Uh, you, you know, you can use T.Y. Hilton in the quick game for sure. Uh, he will be matched up about thirty percent, forty percent of the time on Fabian Morrow, uh, second-year Redskins slot corner. That's a good matchup for T.Y. You like to play T.Y. on the turf indoors, it, it, you know, when possible. And he's going to be on the FedEx field grass in this one. But uh, he's, he's a solid wide receiver to play at worst. Uh, I would definitely play Andrew Luck. Um, he showed enough uh, as you know in, in week one to be fired up with a decent amount of confidence against the Redskins. I do think the Redskins have a good pass defense. They were number six in pass defense DVOA last year. And, uh, you know, Arizona passing game did nothing against them in week one. Uh, Naheem Hines is probably the most interesting member right now of the Colts backfield. Uh, you know, he, he fits the quick game, the quick passing game, uh, to a better extent than any of the other Colts backs. Uh, 
uh, and he had, what, nine targets in week one. Uh, he is definitely on the radar in PPR leagues. Um, at, at very least as a guy to own, uh, you know, it may be until the bye week set in and, you know, we're kind of strapped for options that Naheem Hines becomes more of a fantasy play. Uh, but he should be on, if you're playing a PPR league, Naheem Hines should absolutely occupy a, a place on someone's roster. Ryan Grant, eight catches in week one. Uh, he is going to see more of Josh Norman than T.Y. Hilton, though. Ryan Grant playing outside receiver. T.Y. Hilton moves into the slot a lot. Uh, and then Chester Rogers is the Colts' like primary slot receiver, but he doesn't play as much because the Colts use a lot of two tight ends. Um, you know, I'm probably not – this is a revenge game for Ryan Grant, but – you know, not not a lot of big upside for him. Uh, I do think he's another guy, though, that fits the offense pretty well as a possession guy and should have a place on uh, PPR league rosters. Jack Doyle really fits the offense well, too, uh, and he had you know, a ton of targets. He started slow, but he finished with 10 targets, seven catches, uh, and he is a definite fantasy starter against the Redskins. Uh, Redskins were torched by tight ends all last year. Um, you know, and the same defensive coordinator bring back largely the same personnel. Uh, so Doyle is a, a strong play. Eric Ebron, you know, he had a, a decent game in week one. But he only ran 25 routes uh, compared to Jack Doyle's 55 uh, committed a couple of penalties. You wonder if that could uh, cut into his his um, playing time at all. 25 routes is okay, uh, but you know, I, I mean, uh, for a guy who's not necessarily efficient throughout his career, you know, I mean, it's not like Jordan Reed getting 22. You know, Eric Ebron has never been efficient, and um, he's kind of like a, a risky higher end tight end two, I think. Uh, we can move on to the next one. Excellent, excellent stuff, Evan, as always. I love it. I love it a lot more than people that have credit card debt. I can tell you that much right now. Look, it happens, right? If you listen to the Fantasy Feast podcast, a lot of you, probably younger dudes, 20s, 30s, I get it, college loans, you know, you're spending money after college, but you're not making that much money, but now you know better. And I can't tell you how awesome it is. I've gotten at least five, maybe ten emails from people that are like, Ross, I'm so glad you told me about Lightstream. You know, I was making my payments were X a month. Now they're Y a month. They're offering credit card consolidation loans from 5.89% APR with auto pay. So you know how crazy the credit card interest rates are now so here's what they do they'll, they'll give you the loan so you can pay off the credit card debt and then you just pay them with auto pay at a much lower rate saving yourself lots of money over the years it's crazy easy plus you get a special discount on top of lightstream's already low rates but the only way to get this discount is to go to lightstream.com slash feast that's l-i-g-h-t-s-t-r-e-a-m 
dot com slash feast subject to credit approval of course rate includes 0.5 percent auto pay discount terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice visit lightstream.com slash feast for more information you will be getting more information tomorrow really even just after midnight tonight when we release part two which will be the late games the Sunday nighter, the Monday nighter as we roll along. One more friendly reminder to make sure you're signed up to get my emails over at RossTucker.com so you find out how to win one of these free Maddens I got sitting here or one of the codes if you prefer. It's up to you. Just throw your email address in on the homepage at RossTucker.com and also make sure you're following us on the various social media because we're going to be giving some t- some tips there as well. Other than that, I'm stuffed. Got to take a little break, and then we'll get the second part of the meal. Part two's next. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Even Money, and the College Draft Podcast, all available on iTunes at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts can be found.